0: everyone and welcome to the episode of the discomfort zone podcast the idea to cross the ape man with the Anunnaki slaves work animals created for one person to unburden the gods hello everyone and thank you very much for joining me for another episode before we get into it i would just like to thank all of you who have been uh, with me on this journey especially uh, from the start as it's taken uh, many unexpected turns Um, for those who remember it started out as an ecological podcast about homesteading and uh, different uh, various subjects about that and then we went into uh, mesopotamia now we're on to a different subject so uh, i I just really appreciate um, those of you who have stuck by me and have still find it uh, interesting and entertaining. Uh, it really means quite a lot. And the fact that I can post this on Hive and that people are actually listening is really quite amazing. So I wanted to say thank you very, very much. Patient Zero, Revised Sociology, obviously, Rondon. Ah, and Snacky. I'm not sure. I've seen you here before, but if I haven't forgotten, thank you very much as well. Um, and really, uh, just wanted to take a moment to say this, uh, <laughs> it's another change that we're sort of going through. And it's a, uh, I'm, I'm that kind of a person. I have been all my life. I like, many very different wide variety of subjects and usually get very deep into something for a certain period of time and then move on to something else. So uh, it, it means a lot having people uh, along with me for the journey. So thank you. Yes, wonderful to see you here on time and uh, please feel free to uh, doze on and off throughout. I know I certainly do. Um, but okay, none of that Enough of this uh, emotional jibber-jabber. Why don't we uh, start moving forward with the episode? Because, as usual, I have quite a lot that we can cover. We'll see what we make. Um, I, I, I said this a few episodes already, but I'll uh, reiterate once again for those who don't know. This episode and the following few is going to be a sort of an introduction. It's an introduction to Drunvalo Melchizedek's world, you know, cosmos. Um, which is rather different from Sitchin's and instead of just sort of plowing through a narrative or starting to go through the book that he's written that we're going to be dealing with later, I thought it best to sort of cover... Some of the basic concepts, and really try and uh, build this world. It's a it's a term that I've heard from uh, screenwriting, from a film. Uh, the first thing you have to do is you have to build the world that the film is in, so that people know what the rules are. You know, both physics and uh, social rules, um, and sort of start to get a feel for this environment, especially if this reality is uh, different from what we recognize as reality. So. I know that a lot of the people who listen to this are very much in tune with a lot of these subjects, and I'm sure I'm not going to be, uh, you know, going too far off into the deep end to begin with, but still to make sure we're all on the same page, to make sure we all mean the same when we're using these words, uh, it's always best to start by defining the terms. Those who are with me from the start will, uh, will remember. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to actually start from what we spoke last week which was I mentioned a little bit about uh, dimensions and this is a term that's very you know problematic in the sense that it has many different interpretations in fact the very word has many different fields where it can mean different things you know from computer and and different sciences all the way to you know mysticism and uh, new age theories and so uh, we mentioned last week that when we speak about dimensions what we really mean is different frequencies of reality that we can tune into and as we tune into these different frequencies we actually experience reality differently so when we use the term dimensions, what we really mean is different parts of the same grand reality that we are tuning into at that specific moment. And this can be any number of things. We could think of it very very practically and simply in the sense that my emotions, my um, you know mindset, the way I feel right now is going to influence my reality to a certain degree and so whether or not if I'm drunk on hallucinogenics or uppers or even whether I'm depressed or excited or fearful that's going to change it's going to change the way that my environment looks uh, you know the feeling that I get from the environment etc so all the way from the very very purely sort of common sense Uh, um, very common uh, experience that we all have where my mind state influences the reality that I experience and then going all the way to what we were speaking about last week which is you know the ability to experience it without a physical body to experience a non-physical reality an ethereal plane as it were. Um, So we'll get into that a little bit more but that's a sort of small small beginning. Now throughout this oh also if anyone has any questions or anything you'd like to add please feel free to uh, post in chat and uh, i do occasionally try to uh, get through any questions that we have and uh, continue so the next subject that i wanted to approach might be a little bit of a sharp left turn but i believe it does uh, very much connect and that's the subject of taoism now those who've been here from the start will know this isn't the first time that i mention uh my personal, shall I uh, say, you know, religion or philosophy or uh, whatever you want to call it, but it's something that I truly believe in very, very deeply and has helped me in my life. Um, the reason I bring it up is because of the religions or of the cosmologies that I know, it's one that bears the closest relationship to uh, to science and to a certain branch of science that's very, very important for our uh, sake. And so, Taoism is based, I mean, there's a huge, vast amount of information that is, you know, under this cloak of Taoism, from alchemy and different physical practices, to Kung Fu, to philosophical teachings, to, you know, uh, handwritten scrolls, etc, etc. But we're going to be talking about the very, very, very basic cosmology that Taoism uh, pertains. And that is that at the beginning of creation, of all that is uh, there was complete unity and this uh, state of unity was the state that we know as tai chi forgive my pronunciation but uh, we, most of us have heard the term um, now tai chi is the absolute balance of opposites and so within the unity there was this state which seems to be prior to tai chi where nothing can be said as it were because it's complete unity and then there is this state of um not separation but individuation within the whole and that's before the separation actually happens that is the state of tai chi where there are two opposites there is individuation and yet the two opposites are completely whole with each other and in complete balance uh, that's the, the the second phase that we speak of. And then the third phase is the separation. And that's the separation of the two opposites, which in Chinese are called yin and yang. And this act of separation is really the beginning of creation and of uh, reality as we know it. Now, a small side note, which is interesting, this theory, although very uh, simplistic and obviously quite poetic, as it were, does bear a lot of relation to the Big Bang theory, which claims that all matter uh, in the universe, all energy in the universe, I should say, was condensed to a single point, as in was unified, Uh, where in space it was is hard to say, but let's just say for the moment that it was complete unity. And then there was the Big Bang, and that Big Bang was a separation. Now, obviously, according to science, there wasn't a separation into two base, uh, you know, elements or energies. But nonetheless, uh, there is an act of separating from the unity that was necessary to begin the process of creation, to begin this reality that we exist in. So just interesting, that there is a uh, correlation. Um, oh, crimson clad. I see. Okay, well, we'll be here waiting for you uh, if you can make it. And if not, there's always the uh, the upload. But thank you very much for posting. Glad to, glad to hear from you. So, this concept of yin-yang, which, by the way, uh, just for, for general knowledge, <laughs> um, yin is the dark side, the uh, north side of a mountain, and yang is the south side or the light side of the mountain that's the original terms yin and yang and they uh, symbolize exactly that the light and the dark, the two polar opposites and this is really what we want to talk about for our case in point the concept of having these two polar opposites as the two basic you know, ingredients or base elements and then from this separation of two, from one to two, the Chinese extrapolated further and then each of those two was separated into another two and so now we have four and they were called Lesser Yin and Lesser Yang and Greater Yin and Greater Yang and these represented uh, four different stages which were obviously based still on the yin-yang concept but were a further abstraction a further extrapolation from that original idea and this is a very uh this is a curious subject which we could go very very further into but for those uh, of you who are astute you might notice that uh what the series seems to be suggesting is that we are going from one to two to four And if we continue that process once again, we reach 8, where we divide each one into 2 once again. This is a sequence which is very familiar, I think, to most of us today, at least by name, which is the binary binary sequence, simply doubling the last number. So 2, 4, 6, 8 etc this is the system that's used for computers as we know for memory and all these other things and in fact it's the uh, binary system that we all have heard about and know and our lives really depend on at least today now the funny thing is uh, not many people know that Leibniz, the original i'm not sure if inventor or discoverer of the binary system actually got the idea, at least uh, inspiration to a certain degree, from uh, the Taoist book which is called the I Ching. And the I Ching is a, a, a structure which is taking this binary sequence of taking one, dividing it to two, and then dividing those into two, and those into two, and creating an entire both mathematical and uh, claims to be, shall I say, oracle system uh, for divining many, many different things. And the, the book, the Book of Changes, the I Ching, is very, very, very famous in China and very important to them culturally. So just curious that our binary system that powered up all of our computer technological advancements basically the world that we know my podcast is you know powered by so many different uh, binary sequences Um, all stems from this very 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 ancient system which is another binary system which wasn't used uh, electrically Oh, electronically, but was nonetheless used as a very, very simple method for reaching very, very complex results um, in a very simple uh, process. So uh, I could talk for ages about Taoism, about Yin-Yang, and about the I Ching, but I'm uh, I'm going to try and steer away from them for now, although we will get back into it. The I Ching is in fact something that uh, Drunvala Melchizedek talks about, and it's it's a very interesting subject in itself. But we'll move on for now. And we see that this whole thing has actually brought us into the world of the binary. Now, I, I talk a lot about binary uh, and the binary sequence in our life because in my personal experience, um, a lot of our reality is binary. And when I say binary, what I mean is it's made up of coupled opposites. One of the best examples for this, uh, for me at least, is our language. Now, obviously our language isn't simply uh, binary or polar in and of itself, but the way that our language is structured and the way that words work normally is with these opposite pairs that sort of come together and explain each other, as it were, uh, necessary points to compare and to understand. Uh, I'm not going to go into it anymore now because it's not relevant to what we're talking about. If you want, think about it in your lives if you've never considered the the attempt to explain something as not either or. Whether it's both or whether it's neither, but a lot of our language depends on us choosing one of the binary options and uh, defining with that. Okay, so... Among the various systems which use binary, and by the way, uh, Go, the game of Go, is another excellent example of that, but among them, as we've mentioned before, is computer electronics. And before computer electronics, I should say, or prior to, there is another force which is binary, which is electricity, or really electromagnetism. Now, electromagnetism as most of us are aware, is uh, polar, as it were. doesn't have to be, but we won't get into that now. But most of the electricity that we use is um, has two poles, a positive and a negative. The same, obviously, with magnets. These two forces are really two representations of a unified force called electromagnetism. So I'm, I'm pretty interested in electromagnetism, and I, I think it's worth talking about a little bit because as such a common uh, force in our lives many people don't seem to quite understand and in fact it's probably one of the more mysterious forces uh, that we come into contact with and many I think uh, electrical engineers and scientists don't fully understand. Uh, So it's worth I think focusing a little bit on it because it seems to me and this is uh, backed obviously by other people but I do feel that electricity, electromagnetism is the key to blending the two worlds of science and let's say magic or new age or spiritualism. Um, but I like the word magic. I think it's good. This, the, the, the single force that I can see time and time again that is recognized and appreciated though with very different terms in both of these very distinct worlds in the world of science and academia and in the world of magic um, is this force which is electromagnetism which really uh, we call uh, not we but the, the, the new age movement calls energy and so just to uh, clarify i hope this isn't uh, getting too boring as subject that most people know already but It's important to note that when we say electromagnetism, we're not simply talking about uh, electricity or magnets. We're talking about light and we're talking about sound and we're talking about uh, our senses and indeed our whole nervous system. our bodies run on electricity as does every living thing. It truly is the energy of life, or at least part of it. When something dies, one of the ways to sort of measure or to see when something is dead is when there is no more electrical activity, obviously specifically in the brain, uh, but there is in the heart as well. So this force of nature, which we are so familiar with, you know, we've all had batteries and we all know to put it in and turns things on, is really in charge of all of the reality that we experience in the way that we know. And so when we experience with our five senses, that is electrical, what we would call digital information, that's being passed on to a, you know, a, a processor as it were, to read the information and, uh, uh, you know, decrypt it so that it makes sense. That's basically what our brains do, and that's basically what we do when we are faced with the world. So when we talk about electromagnetism, we're not talking just about the batteries or, you know, powering up uh, objects. We're talking about the entirety of the electromagnetic uh, spectrum, which is all the energy that we know so for example um heat as well um all of these different um magnetic radiations and magnetic fields um you know radio signals etc all of these come under the same term of electromagnetism and so this really brings me to my next point rather well i think which is we have to talk about consciousness now we've obviously touched on various subjects that are related to it and we can see where we're going but it's still important to note what we mean by consciousness and you know almost as importantly what are the limitations of consciousness where does consciousness end so i think this is a very big question and i'd like to remind that we are not here to define reality we're here to define terms. And so we're not saying what consciousness is. I'm saying what I mean when I say the word consciousness. So this isn't really a debate. This is merely uh, a dictionary, as it were. Now, there are many, many, you know, (laughs) to start talking about what consciousness is in a one hour podcast where we have uh, 40 minutes left uh, is a bit silly. But let's do it nonetheless. Consciousness comes from the word conscious obviously and to be conscious of something means to be aware but when we think of consciousness we don't usually limit it just to our awareness so we say that we have that we have a subconscious but we often include that subconscious as part of our consciousness so i mean this is already getting very confusing <laughs> but it is important to distinguish between our part that is aware, um, the part that is um, uh, the part that I'm using to talk with you to think about what I want to say to plan these, the part that is thinking inside my brain in words saying yeah, this no, that the other, etc that's my uh, conscious brain, and then the subconscious as we know, is all of those parts that I'm unaware of Now again, we're getting into a bit of a problem because what if I become aware of parts of my subconscious? when does it cross that threshold um, you know between subconscious and conscious and we obviously have many different states that seem to be uh you know on the verge of both dreamlike states etc so when i use the term consciousness what i'm referring to is the entirety of the human experience and yet um within that there is distinction between our consciousness and let's say our physical body so, I think it's important here to spend a moment to talk about the relationship between our consciousness and uh, the physical body. Okay, here's, here's the best way that I can uh, define it to explain what I'm trying to say here. We, I really love the model of the uh, human antenna. Um, because it just makes a lot of sense to me if we're talking about electromagnetism again. When we have a a radio and we turn it on, it plays music from some channel that's playing uh, somewhere. It seems to our immediate experience that the music is somehow in the radio, that the radio is generating the actual music. But in fact, as we know, the radio is simply channeling uh, the music. It has an antenna which is designed to pick up. And the radio waves are everywhere, all across the universe. And we are simply picking up something that is permeating everything and translating that into something that we can experience. Now, this same model, obviously, uh, uh, is very famous to be uh, suitable for the human consciousness model. And that is to say that, unlike what most scientists claim today, and especially uh, atheists, the brain itself does not generate consciousness now again this is a very uh, (laughs) difficult statement but we will uh, progress and if anyone has any questions objections etc you're more than welcome to offer as I go along but let's think about this for one moment why do we think the brain generates consciousness because consciousness uh, begins and ends with the brain Uh, there is no consciousness before there is a brain and once the brain is you know gone uh, there is no consciousness still but what we're saying there is that we don't experience consciousness before or after there is a brain but we don't experience the the radio waves either and yet scientifically empirically we can measure them and we can prove that they're there even though we don't experience them so Would this be relevant to consciousness? Well, a very curious question would be, where is consciousness? If it's generated by the brain, we can measure all these things that are generated. Um, Where is the consciousness itself inside the brain? And whenever brain scientists have tried and are still trying to map the brain's functions, Um, I think that the study of phrenology began with really mapping simply uh, areas of the brain, saying this is in charge of anger, this is in charge of whatever. If a person has an enlarged, swollen part of the brain there, then that means he is such and such. Um, But that has been completely disproven. And in fact, uh, from injured brains, we know that brains are tremendously um, plastic, Uh, in in the sense that they are flexible. And if there is a brain injury, then a brain can use different parts to take up different jobs and to do things that that part isn't supposed to do, from people who lost their ability to speak to being able to use different parts of their brain to speak and various very, very interesting, uh, curious um, experiments that have gone on throughout history. And so it seems that the brain is a non-localized Um, activity. It doesn't necessarily have one place that is in charge of a specific act, but rather, as we can see time and time again, and we now know from computer neural networks, it is a network. It is a network of neurons with a very delicate balance that is firing at unbelievable speeds. And this whole network is working together to produce this uh experience this you know human consciousness as it were now i say produce with reservation but it's just to uh, make it easier to explain right now so if that is the case then where is the consciousness itself it seems that we can't find the exact position in the same way uh, that many of the brain's functions we can't attach it to a single point it seems to arise from the brain's activity as a whole. And again, if we were looking for the radio signals inside a radio, we would be met with the same problem. We can certainly see where they come from. They come from the speaker, not come from, where we experience them from. The radio waves are coming from the speaker, but that's after it's been processed through the radio. So the origination of the radio waves um, poses the same sort of mystery as consciousness which is why it's very encouraging to think that possibly our consciousness is not something that is solely existing with a brain that solely uh, comes into being when a brain is created born and leaves after it dies but rather it is only expressed in a way that we can experience it when there is a brain But what about when there isn't that brain, that same consciousness, which we could all experience before now becomes as the brain, uh, sorry, as the radio waves do um, outside of our spectrum of experience, outside of the range of our senses. And so we can no longer experience it. Now, this obviously could be a very crazy thought for some of you, and I hope I haven't lost uh, too many (laughs) going through it. But the more I thought about this, and I I can't remember the first time I heard, but uh, the more I sort of learned how the brain works and what we thought and what we think today about the brain, it seemed to make a lot more sense to think of the brain as a vehicle. The brain is the machine that can help consciousness interact with our physical everyday reality. And in fact, uh, this is to a certain degree, but this is the world that Drunvalo uh, encourages us to uh, believe in, I guess. Um, All of this is entirely theoretical so far, because for me personally, in my journey towards these subjects and towards these things, I went uh, purely analytically and uh, non-experientially. However... I've met many people, and Drunvalo himself, and uh, in time, I myself also have had experiences which seem to point to this as the more plausible option, which seems to be that the other explanation that the brain is generating the consciousness and the consciousness can't leave the brain uh, seems to be lacking in the explanation. And indeed, out-of-body experiences is are is a, ah, a good example of this. Um, there aren't many, but there are a few cases where people have been privy to information that they physically couldn't be aware of. Obviously, if someone says that they hear something on the you know surgeon's table during surgery when they're under anesthetic, their ears could still be working. They could still be picking up on the signals. But if they can read a random number that's printed in a sealed envelope on a shelf uh, on top of uh, where they're sleeping, um, then that seems to be something much harder to fake, as it were. So, even without going to any of the people who have, who who claim to have experienced this um, consciousness separate or outside of the brain, um, when we think about it with what we know of technology today, with what we know of how the brain works, how electromagnetism works, how energy and the energy in our body works, Um, It seems to be a much more plausible explanation than I think once uh, would have been perceived. So if I dare say for one moment, and I'm not sure uh, (laughs) how much we're doing in this, but I think it's a good idea to not forget what we've spoken about with Sitchin until now. Um, I believe this is a curious point that can sort of connect the two. And I won't go into it very deeply right now, but the idea of the brain being the physical vessel that is required to inhabit uh to contain consciousness or to allow consciousness to be expressed as it were what is this uh theory basically it it, it means a lot of different things but one of the more important ones is that it claims that consciousness preceded uh physical, the the brain, the physical body, that consciousness, the ethereal uh, part of our being came first and it was only later that a physical body was available to uh, contain it. Now this is obviously a very difficult uh, claim as it also brings with it a lot of different uh, uh, problems that can come from that but it also provides us with a very unique point of view I feel which is we are only aware to to a certain degree, but we are only aware and we only live our lives as it were in this uh, physical dimension, in this third dimension that we all know. And we have no memory of what came before, and we have no knowledge of what will come after. Um, That sentence is not necessarily true, but let's start as that beginning statement, uh, even though I don't believe in it myself um what this means really is that if consciousness exists outside of the brain before we are born and after we die um, we as our conscious part as our aware part uh, are not aware of it and the question becomes why what what possible reason what logic would there be for this separation in experience between Consciousness separate from brain, consciousness outside of the body and our everyday physical experience. So I'm not going to answer that question in full. Um, I I hope, (laughs) I know that I throw a lot of these little nuggets. Um, I really do believe that we will touch on all of them by the end, Um, even though I can't say I've got a detailed list of every time I said we'll get back to that. But I promise you that we will be going deeper and deeper into these subjects right now. I'm trying to get a sort of, very basic uh understanding of what we're talking about and not go too deeply into the uh yeah into the deep end hello sideways photon great to see you again you're you've got an excellent uh name for this episode um, so <clears throat> one of the reasons that could be suggested and that I personally think is that there is a certain experience, which is the third-dimensional physical experience, that is inaccessible without a physical body. So, if we saw our lives here, as I think many of us do, as a sort of um, lesson or a teaching, uh, something that we have come here to experience, to grow, to learn from, um, then it could make sense that we think of our physical experience as very separate from our non-physical experience because it's within a certain realm of the physical lessons that we are here to learn, the physical experiences that we are here to uh, experience. Um, What this would mean is that if there is meaning to it and if there is a reason for this, that physical experience that we have, uh, which we call life, must have an effect, a lasting effect on our non-physical being, on our consciousness, as it were. So, this opens up a new area uh, to delve into, which is really where I was trying to head with this, which is what I term uh, spiritual evolution. And I think it's a you know, it's a, it's, it is a famous concept. I'm not sure if that's specific phrasing, but it's something that a lot of people to a certain degree have thought about, talk about. Um, but for our intents and purposes, I think it specifically relates to what we are discussing, which is we all know what physical evolution, human evolution, biological evolution is, and we all know to a certain degree how much it affects us and has shaped who we are, how we behave, etc. This theory suggests that... Um, our conscious self, our consciousness, is going through another process of evolution, of advancement, of change, of growth, of learning, that is sort of outside of the physical body. And uh, for me, at least, this would first of all, if there is an outside consciousness, the other option would be that it was completely static and unchanging. And since there is nothing that we know of in the universe that is completely static and unchanging, it would make sense that there is this element of change uh, to it. And so, ah. Sandu, I think I'm a materialist, reductionist when it comes to consciousness. There is no consciousness without brain. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I think you came halfway through, right? So I'm afraid you missed the whole beginning working my way up towards Consciousness Without a Brain, but we'll carry on for now. Uh, I invite you to come and re-listen to the upload afterwards if you want to uh, catch what you missed. Um, but at the end of the episode, I'm going to leave, you know, we're almost there now, so very, very soon I'm going to leave some times for you uh, to question. No, 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 no need to apologize. I apologize that I won't be going over it again uh, so that people listening won't have to listen to me repeat myself. So, Let's just wrap this up because I can see the time is pressing on and this seems to be a good place for us to uh, uh, conclude. We're going to go into it more over the coming episodes and this concept of spiritual evolution is a very important one because it it bears a lot of the answers to the discrepancies between Sitchin's world and Druvalo-Malchizedek's. And maybe I'll just give a few small sentences. I hope this isn't, for one thing, too cryptic uh, and going too deep, but I think we've established enough to say, if you've followed me this far, what what I'm suggesting, what uh, um, Sitchin and druvalo Melchizedek suggest, is that the human body was on Earth to an evolutionary degree, which we call uh, apes. Um, And this was true, obviously. To this day, there are certain animals that hold uh, a body that is remarkably similar to ours and especially to our ancestors. And yet it seems that there was a great uh, physical evolution, which we discussed, which Sitchin pointed to, both in the brain development Um, And in general, in the characteristics that seem to come with the human experience, standing up on two legs, using your hands, you know, having your head much higher, Um, all of these things which point to a much more mental abstract capacity. Obviously I'm not saying that uh, the two aren't connected and the fact that our physical evolution allowed us to do that and also the fact that we were using our brains more uh, encouraged the physical evolution. But I want to talk specifically about how it connects to the spiritual evolution, which is to say, if we can imagine that the human consciousness, which might not have been called human, but the consciousness that we think of as human was in existence before the physical body, then our claim would be that the human consciousness was needed to wait, as it were, because the ape body was not yet a complex enough uh, structure in order to uh, hold this very complex uh, consciousness. So if we'll go back for a moment to the analogy with the radio, we can imagine having, um, I'm not sure if this will work exactly, but let's say having a very uh, simple radio. And in fact, this radio can only pick up, uh, you know, AM frequencies. Okay, ham radio, I think it is. I'm not sure. Um, if we're using a more advanced technology, let's say FM radios, um, then this uh, lesser developed radio won't be able to pick up that signal. In order for that signal to become present uh, in a way that we can experience it, we need a more advanced machine, a more advanced radio, to be able to interact with it. And this is really the theory of what we're talking about um, the anunnaki actually did to the physical body it was not just a physical biological change to allow things like reproduction but it was also a physical change let's say to the uh, brain's capacity and to the physical body and indeed we'll talk about later the chakra system in order to allow Uh, the human consciousness to be expressed through it so since the human consciousness was more complex than an apes consciousness for example um, the body was not yet developed enough in order to provide it and this was really part of what uh, was necessary to happen before the human consciousness as we know it was able to manifest uh, here on earth okay 41 that's pretty good let's have a look and see in chat are there any questions about what i just said because that might have been a little bit too much too quick uh materialist reductionist sounds about if you swoop oh swoop i keep forgetting it's you i'm so sorry i yeah everyone calls you swoop but i uh i still call you by your new name but it's just very fitting for this uh, episode sound waves photon i like it um Okay we've got a little while longer the next subject is actually a big one um it's the chakra system so i think we're going to save that for next week um as for now i think uh we'll 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 talk a little bit more about this uh this whole paradigm because it is a, a tricky one and i know that there is a lot that seems um well downright impossible because in our personal experience and indeed for a long time in my personal experience um there's no evidence for this whatsoever and in fact there seems to be a lot of evidence to contradict it since um, there is yet you know very very little that we can tell about people who uh, have died and come back and I personally uh, have researched that a lot and have read uh, many different books about the subject and if you've never heard about you know, people. Obviously, most people who die and come back experience nothing and are simply black. Uh, you know, blackout. And some of the people who experience something experience something either very, very sort of personal, whether it's you know their own personal uh, um, saviour appearing, or whether it's you know a bright light or whatever. But there are some descriptions of people which go into tremendous detail and one of the themes that keeps coming up with certain people and again not with everyone and not even with the majority is that people describe uh, after they sort of died as being approached and asked whether they would like to come back and then uh, those who are telling the story obviously said yes and it seems Um, It seems that many of these instances were with people who had families who were, you know, who they were important and who really wanted to come back for other people. Um, That seems to be a deciding factor. Now, whether or not these people are crazy or invented it is irrelevant. What is interesting to think about, I think personally, um, is this idea that death is a very uh, curious, again, uh, point um, if we say, you know, when is someone actually dead? When they stop uh, reacting with reality in any way, let's say on a very deep level, let's say their eyes are non responsive, etc., there are no reflexes either, um, they're still not dead. We can say they're not necessarily dead. They can be in a coma, which means that the brain is working on a very, very low level, but there is no interaction with the physical world. So, This again is a very strange, you know, position to hold as to why our body is doing that. Um, Under the coma, some people uh, have also expressed that they've experienced different states, different dreamlike states, different realities that for them felt tremendously real uh, at the time. And in fact, there have been quite a few films uh, about that subject of people in a coma. And yet we, we don't seem to know exactly how it works. Uh, some comas people snap out of after you know 30 years, um, and some people you know deteriorate. So claiming that life as it were, and consciousness is completely related to the brain's electrical uh, signals is a very iffy statement, and defining at what point um, someone is dead for sure is also iffy. So that's why we have these cases of people who were clinically dead for a certain amount of time. Now, as some of you may know, it actually takes the brain quite a while when it's a natural death, obviously not a bullet to the brain, but when it's a natural death, it takes the systems a while to sort of shut down. So again, this is a very curious uh, process. Why is it that our brains and our bodies need to shut down? Um, a very simple comparison, you know, when I shut down my uh, clock, as it were, um, it just goes off, it just cuts the power. But when I shut down my computer, it sort of has all of these processes that it goes through before shutting down completely. And if we listen to the experiences that certain people have expressed when they die of, you know, out-of-body experiences of leaving their bodies, seeing their loved ones around them, seeing uh, different things... Um, it again becomes curious that as the body is shutting down, as the physical brain is dying out, there are these electrical impulses that seem to be moving and seem to be firing off uh, at this point as the body knows that it's sort of dying. And in fact, once someone is dead, they seem to be able to come back to life and the people sometimes, as it were, who uh, have experienced this have expressed that they felt they left their body, had this question posed of whether they want to, decided to come back, and then they felt themselves return to their body. And the instant that they entered into their body uh, again, um, they wake up or, you know, their, their heart starts beating, their body seems to be revived um, quite mysteriously. So again, these are a lot of sort of iffy and <laughs> uh, new age hippy dippy. Like uh, you know, I, I'm 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 fully aware of how this sounds, and I'm again still not here to convince anyone of anything. Um, but when you put all of these different curiosities, all of these different koinky dinks together, uh, they seem to be painting a picture. And when I think of the model of when a person is born they uh, come out into existence from nothing, and when they die, they uh, disappear out of existence, that doesn't um, fit any other model of the universe that we know. We know that energy uh, is not created or destroyed, it uh, transforms, and everything is energy, including ourselves, and we know that our consciousness to a certain degree is electrical or electrochemical. So why is it that when it comes to our own uh, experience, um, we seem to take this different approach where it's, you know, clear-cut, reductionist, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Okay, so just a few thoughts on the subject. Let's see. Ah, swoop. Let's see. Check out Stuart Hameroff's work with Roger Penrose. Roger Penrose. Yeah, quantum... I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... um, I didn't go very deeply into them, but I did, uh, I think I read one of their books. Roger Penrose. I haven't heard of uh, Stuart Hanoff, but uh, yes, uh, qu- quantum mechanics in general uh, is, is a very interesting subject because it's been so, you know, uh, taken over by the new age uh, society. And I, uh, I include myself among them, but it's a very curious cage where science is having a Big, uh, a difficult time convincing all of these hippies that uh, that's not what they meant. <laughs> um, also, Robert Anton Wilson. Oh, I love Robert Anton Wilson. Quantum psychology. Yes. Ah, I don't think I've heard of that book of his. Quantum psychology. I will definitely check it out. I love Robert Anton Wilson. I I heard more of his lectures than uh, read his books. Um, but he he's uh, very interesting. If you if you haven't heard of him. Uh, I highly recommend him as well. Uh, I mean, he talks a lot about consciousness and these subjects as well, but from a very different point of view. Okay, we won't go into him too much now. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna get sidetracked again. But uh, we'll stay on point. Let's see. For the last uh, ten minutes, there's I'm I'm I, I don't know if nobody talks in chat. If that means that you're all riveted and completely in a hundred percent agreement and just waiting on the edge of your seat for my next uh, uh, you know word to come out, or if you've mostly fallen asleep and uh, couldn't be bothered to argue with me over the points. <laughs> um, either is completely acceptable, and uh, just having you here is good enough. But if you do have any uh, uh, questions or any uh debates then please feel free um I'm the complete opposite of a hippie but I'll read anything wow you know what that is uh there is nothing more that I could ask if you'll read or you know become aware of others opinions um the opposite of a hippie yeah I mean what is a hippie I'm I think I'm too weird to be a hippie I think hippies are a little less extreme uh, than some of my ideas <laughs> So I don't know what I am. I guess I'm the opposite of people, you know, what they see in me as it were. So uh it it'd be interesting. I mean, when I say about this, I read a I heard a very interesting lecture about um quantum mechanics um which was entirely the mathematics of it. So this was no experiments, no hidden cameras, no none of the photon, you know, uh cannons, purely the mathematics of it. And within the mathematics of it, when he was uh, explaining, and I, I know nothing almost about mathematics and I didn't understand nearly anything that he said. But from what little I managed to gather, um, he was talking about the, the both the quantum entanglement and indeed the uh, sort of uh, quantum level of... Uh, Eisenberg's um, uncertainty principle and uh, these different sort of phenomenons that we've all come to uh, hear from New Age hippies, um, really being more mathematical abstractions than you know real world experiences, um, which which is uh, entirely what we always said because quantum the quantum realm is not. An experiential realm uh, for us, uh, at least our bodies. We won't talk about machines and what they can do, but in terms of where this th- stuff is happening, it's definitely happening in more of an abstract than a physical realm. But nonetheless, what he was talking about was a lot of the confusion came from uh, not differentiating between the abstract mathematical model and the real-world events. And so, you know, if we consider what happens in the quantum realm happening on the Newtonian level, as it were, uh, it would be pretty square, you know, things randomly appearing and disappearing and spinning and, you know, changing position, not going through linear space. But that obviously doesn't happen because there are very, very different physical rules for each. And a lot of the sort of hype that's been built up around quantum mechanics, uh, he claims comes from this uh, confusion of thinking that, well, if it happens on the quantum level, then surely, you know, it can happen on the real level. Um, I wouldn't say that, I mean, I don't disagree with him because he's talking about maths. I would say that I disagree with him uh, definitely about the nature of reality. Um, It's just that quantum mechanics seems to be a very, like it's a very, very high level of maths and theoretical physics and uh, it's difficult to, uh, to sort of take that and really honestly uh, for me to tell you you know, how that relates to human consciousness etc. So I wouldn't say that he's mistaken in what he's claiming but at the same time quantum mechanics um, even if it's not a physical representation is an excellent metaphor, an excellent model in the same way that I talk about electricity and radios. Uh, to understand something about the world and something about reality and consciousness etc um, oh, yes i will definitely check out uh, wilson's quantum psychology <laughs> nice you you you've definitely convinced me now um yes i will check it out after the uh, after the show i'm just looking for something good to read And I'm interested in both quantum and psychology. So uh, that's good. Um, Okay, so we've got about six minutes left. Um, I'll just go over. Do we have a show afterwards with uh, Krim? I don't know if the uh, power is going to not prevent you from having a show. Uh, Let me know, Rondon or Krim, whoever's listening to this. Um, So next week, we're going to be talking about the chakra system. Now, again, I mean... Each of these, electromagnetism, consciousness, Taoism, chakra system, each of these is, you know, a subject for a podcast uh, in and of itself. So I do no justice to these subjects by bringing them up here, you know, four or five in an hour. Um, My point is that we will be touching on the surface, and as the episodes flow by, we'll be going deeper and deeper into these uh, subjects and understanding them more and more. Because honestly, really and truly... You don't need more than electromagnetism. If you absolutely understood electromagnetism, then everything else would make sense. Now, I'm only half joking, but uh, it's certainly, you know, each of these subjects in and of itself is really a a huge topic that uh, can provide us with enough information. So we're going to start building up our dictionary. We're going to start getting a feel for what these terms mean uh, for us for our intents and purposes and as we progress and we delve deeper into Drume Volo's, uh teachings then we will actually be able to learn more about each of these uh, ah curation show I don't think I've heard who, who does the curation show I'm embarrassed to say I, if it's right after this show then I can catch the beginning of it even though it's pretty late here already but uh, yeah I'm, I'm quite behind on all of these there are lots and lots of new shows if you're listening to this podcast anywhere Um, make sure you check out MSP Waves. It's mspwaves.com, right? MSP Waves, uh, their website, and uh, there are lots and lots of new podcasts and new shows that are coming out now. Lots of great things. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't even managed to see uh, all of them. But um, yes, check it out. Exactly. Uh, MSP Waves, ah, HTTPS, mspwaves.com, and then forward slash floor forward slash schedule that's a tough one to see all of the shows that are upcoming um and really there are very good ones so make sure you check it out okay so next week oh, that was a middle of uh, talking <laughs> so next week we're going to be talking about the chakra system and we're going to uh, be talking about a little bit of the connection between the chakra system and the physical body um that's going to be a recurring theme um Druval and it's you know obviously this is why I'm talking about it, is very, very focused on the binary side, the polar opposites. There is always the two sides to every coin, um, and it's very, very important to get both perspectives. Um, and so with as many of these subjects as we can, I will attempt for us to constantly be going... Um, to the more let's call it hippie side of things um, and then to the more scientific side of things and see if we can't marry these damn opposites together um, as was once because let's face it personally, again, this is my opinion, but I think that the separation of uh, religion, what I would term spirituality and science um, has caused so much misunderstanding in and in, in incomplete answers um, in each of these fields and it's a, it's a real shame because there is so much for each of them to offer and we really are composed uh, i think of these two very distinct uh, and opposite worlds so this will be part of what we're attempting to do uh heal the divide on all uh, levels except uh, racist and uh really attempting to bring as many of these different uh, seemingly opposite world views into a cohesive whole That will help us ultimately understand ourselves and reality a little bit better um and i think that if we do that we'll probably be better people for it and we'll be able to look down on others so what more could we possibly want honestly um okay oh my gosh i've already gone over thank you ever so much all of you for joining in chat oh my gosh uh arting and gabriel sorry gregory patrick patient zero rondon revised sociology uh swoop this new girl, Tripode. Oh, thank you very much for joining. I didn't see when you came. And Alien Haldi as always, uh, I have been Olev. Thank you very, very much. And I will see you all, uh, hear you all next week. Until then, bye. <music>